Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Welcome to On Demand, one of my favorite places to go. As a matter of fact, the largest place people go to hear us is On Demand now. That's right. Over 70% of the people who hear us check us out On Demand. That means they get to put the Word of God in their hand when they want to. So here you are with me today, and we're going to take a journey and talk about choices and how you make decisions and how you get the right kind of decisions in the right place. This study is so helpful and so practical. It will take you on a journey and show you the power of a person who can foresee the evil and make good choices. There's a three-step process I'm going to teach you today from a wonderful book that helps you lay out a principle that you can use in your daily life. So stay with me today. Stay tuned. This is really going to be good. Stay right there. I'm glad you're back today. We're going to talk today about something that's really important. I hope that you find rest in the Lord, but I want you to find some rest in this teaching too. What I'm going to share with you today has a real simple but profound impact if you apply it. There's one word at the center of our conversation today, and that's the word decisions. Every now and then in life, you make a decision, one decision that can change everything. We're going to look at a guy named Moses who made a bad decision that changed his entire life trajectory. There's that word, trajectory, right? He's pushing his life in a direction because he's caught up in an emotional moment that will change everything. The series that we're going to take our uh, uh, look at for the next few weeks deals with this whole issue of how you make good decisions. There is a right way and there's a wrong way to make a decision. And sometimes it's the decision-making process that we have that keeps us making the wrong decision over and over and over again. So if you keep marrying the wrong person and you keep dating the wrong people, you keep making bad business decisions, you keep falling out with friends, you keep finding yourself in bad physical places, sometimes it's because of the process you use to make a decision. Churches have a process. Religious people have a process. They, they get this, I don't know, impressional thing. I feel, I feel led. Sometimes I don't know what that means. That means you feel what? You know, something hits you in your soul. You, you know the voice of God. And so based on this impression in your head, if you, know, you start making decisions. I don't think that's a healthy way to do it. Um, you can prophesy, the Bible says, out of your own heart, the things you really want. I want this man, so this must be God's man for me. Uh, God spoke that to me. No, lust spoke that to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe infatuation spoke it to you, but not necessarily God. So we need to be clear that we don't get confused when we make decisions and we somehow, some of you are stuck on that point, right, about the, the lust. You like that? Yeah, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. You get stuck on something. You want to get into a profession, and it's not God. It's you just want that pride of, you know, being a pilot. You want to fly something. That's not God. There's a, there's a process that I love. A guy named Stephen Johnson wrote a book and called Farsight. And in this book, he talks about three principles, and I'm going to share in just a minute, that deal with this whole idea of how you make decisions. And I love the, the simple three steps that he gives, and that's going to become the foundation for our, our series this month because I believe it's biblical. Uh, even though he's not writing it from a biblical perspective, I'm borrowing it, and I want to show you some principles. Well, let me begin by laying out for you where we're headed. We're going to talk today about wiser decisions. That's what we're going to talk about today. Our focus is going to be on uh, decision, deciding to make wiser decisions because we want better in our life. And we're going to look at um, some good decision makers. Uh, and I want to I just say it's so easy to make better decisions when you see good decision makers and how they work to make decisions. So if you have an example in your life of a husband, a father, a friend who makes good decisions, they can become a model for you. Then next week, we're going to talk about curious decision makers. 
and the whole idea of being curious and how sometimes you don't make good decisions because you're not curious enough. Then we're gonna talk about fighting your way back from a bad decision in, in the third week and how you can make a bad decision, but there's a way you fight your way back from that bad decision. And then lastly, we'll talk about deciding to go forward. And there's this whole conversation about uh, how you make good decisions, right? And these good decisions push your life forward. And that's God's goal, is to push you forward beyond your bad decisions, beyond the errors, beyond your immaturity. And then the last week, we're going to do Q&A. Now, that's going to be just off the chart and off the chain. You don't want to miss that. And it's going to be a whole discussion where I have a list of questions that people have asked me about this decision-making issue. And I want to just say, I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to you about that. Let me begin in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12. And I want to read a verse to you, and it kind of gives you a foundational scriptural text for the whole conversation. Here's what it says. The prudent see danger and take refuge, Proverbs 27, 12. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Now, that's a strong statement. Let me read it again uh, in the New Living Translation this time. It says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Now, that's a, a verse that can make you kind of want to fight almost. Because what he says is, if you are prudent or wise, you'll foresee the evil. You'll see it coming and you'll do something to prevent it from happening to you. You know what I mean? You, you, you know, your body's telling you you're hurting, right? You need to do something to exercise or, or, or rest or something. You can see it. The symptoms are all over. But if you're not careful, you ignore what you see in your child. You ignore what you see in your community. You ignore it. So the Bible said the simpleton. Oh, that's a hard word, right? The simpleton keeps going and is punished in this environment. All that we have seen. A lot of people are ignoring what they see. They've ignored the obvious, and so now we pay a price together because people won't foresee the evil. You have to look down the road and say, this leads to a bad result. Therefore, I need to make another decision. And that brings me to the book that I want you to think about today. And you might want to get a copy. It's a really good book. It's simple. It's called Far Foresight, and it's called How to Make uh, Decisions That Matter the Most by Stephen Johnson. Now, looking down the road and seeing things that are coming requires farsight. You want to look down the road and say, hmm, I see some things coming and I need to decide how am I going to respond to that. In the book he gives, Stephen Johnson gives three things, three phases that will help you make better decisions. that give you good farsight. Number one, Learn how to map the facts, he calls it. He calls it the mapping phase, where you lay out the facts of your life and you say, this is, this, these are the facts of my life. These are the things that are true about my life. I have a job that pays $10 an hour. I have um, an, an illness that requires a certain amount of attention. I, I need this much sleep. What are the facts? And he says, you lay those facts out. You map them out. Secondly, he says, then there is what's called the um, predicting phase. So you lay out the facts and then you make predictions based on those facts, not based on how you feel, not based on what you think, but based on those facts. Now, this is important. So let me give you a scenario. Let's say you're driving to California, right? And your goal is to get to California and you're in Georgia and you have $50. That's a fact. You put that on the map, OK? 
Okay. Now you're trying to get to California, and you're 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 going to leave tomorrow. So let's predict what's going to happen. You're not going to get there because you don't have enough gas, right? So because of that, you have to go to the third phase, make a decision, a decision to get more money before you leave. Because if you don't, you're not going to get there. So there are three phases in making decisions. One is the mapping phase. Now, this is important because this is where you have to tell the absolute truth. You have to look at your life and say, this is what I have. This is where I am. This is my position. I, at this company, I'm not the CEO. I'm not the CFO. I am the, I am the laborer, and I need to understand that. Okay? So I need to make sure that I understand where I'm at on the map, and then I need to make decisions that will get me to the destinations I want to get to. But you can't get that if you're not willing to predict the truth. I come to work late. They told me don't be late more than three times. That's what the map says. Now, if I'm late four times and I lose my job, we can predict that. So on the, after the first time being late, or maybe before we're late at all, we decide to get up earlier, plan better, so that we won't have that result. We make the decision to get up early. So let me say them again. The mapping phase, right? The second one is the predicting phase. Then the third one is the decision-making phase. If you are honest on the front end, you'll be blessed on the back end. Now, I want to show you this in living color because I thought it'd be great to see it in, in a story. Moses in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 is our case study today. This is the guy who is going to show us the mapping phase. He's going to come to a moment in his life where he's going to make a decision. And, and he assumes that this decision is a good decision because of the way he's thinking. So listen to the text, Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at, at their hard labor. Now, Moses is uh, a Jewish person. He was adopted into Pharaoh's family. So he's a guy who is now looking at his brothers and his sisters who are further, who are Jewish people, and they're in hard labor in Egypt. They're in slavery. We'll come to why in just a minute. But notice with me, he's watching this and he is moved. He's moved and he is, he is deeply disturbed. So what does he do? He said he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. This guy is wailing on this Jewish guy, beating him down. And Moses is distraught. Now, here's what happens. He makes a decision. Now, please understand, imagine the decision is what you write on your map. And this is what he wrote. I've decided to intervene, and I'm going to beat this guy up for beating up this Jewish brother of mine. That's what he decides to do. So listen to what the Bible says. It says, verse 12, looking this way and that way, he made sure nobody was there to witness it. So he looked to the left, and he looked to the right, checked behind him, made sure nobody was there. And the Bible says in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 2, looking this way and that way and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. That's what he decided to do. That's what he wrote on the map. Now, let's predict, go to the second phase, what's going to happen. Nothing good. Nothing good is going to come out of this. You could predict this. If you asked earlier, this is something that was not, not allowed. You murdered a guy. Now, I agree he shouldn't have beat the guy up. Maybe we could go talk to him. Maybe we can go reason with the guy, but he didn't do that. 
He didn't say, hey, man, why are you doing that? Hey, he didn't do anything. Now, this was a guy who lived in Pharaoh's house. He might have had some, he had some kind of authority. I mean, he, had, he, you know, he looked like he lived in the palace. I mean, this is a guy who could have spoke up, but he decided on his decision-making map, he wrote, I will kill him. That was his decision. Okay, now, when you made that kind of decision, let's predict the results. Well, look at the next, rest of the text, verse 13. The next day, he, Moses, went out and saw the two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Why are you guys fighting each other? Now, watch this, verse 14. The man said, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. Well, you could predict that it was going to be known. Now, please note, that was a bad decision. And so now he had to make a decision to run. He had to run for his life. He became a fugitive. He lost a lot because he made this decision, which brings me to the next part, the results of a, of a bad decision. It's predictable that if you make bad decisions, you're going to have bad results. It's predictable if you're violent, and if you're out of control, you're going to end up in a bad result. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. You may get away with beating up your wife today. You may get away with beating up her next week. You may get away with beating up people. You may, but eventually, I can predict, you live by the sword, the Bible says you die by the sword. If you live this way, you live with this abusive, manipulative spirit, you will have a result that you don't want. So watch what happens. When Pharaoh heard of it in verse 15, heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by the well. He has to run for his life, and now that one decision, predictably so, has led to a horrible result. result. He lost everything. He lost his resources. He lost the value of his position and his educational advantage. Acts chapter 7 said this guy was highly educated. I don't know if you ever heard the verse, but look at look, Acts 7.22 says this. Moses was educated in all wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. But he lost all that. He lost the advantage of the education. He lost the advantage of the opportunity. He lost the advantage of all the things he had, all because he made a decision. I'm going to kill the guy. Should have thought about it, sir. This is a bad moment. This wasn't God's will for him. This was the decision he made. And one thing you got to be really clear about. You make the decision. You make the decision. You. You make the decision. And when you make the decision, understand that is your result. That's not, that's not something that God created. And he's sitting by this well in Midian. And he's sitting there. And all of a sudden, the whole world is coming back to him. Because now he's lost touch with his family for 40 years. You're not going to hear. He's not going to meet his mother. He's not going to see. Him. All of that's gone. Sisters, all of it's gone. 40 years will go by before Moses gets to see his family. And by the way, at this point in the text, he doesn't think he is ever going to see his family again, all because of a decision. So let's look at your map. Let's look at your decision map and ask a question. What's on your map? You decide to be angry. You decide to hate. You decide to fight. You decide all this. Where is this going to lead you? Let's predict it. What's going to be the outcome? There's so many things that are easily predictable in the circumstance that we all face as a community right now. And, this, and this, this horrible pandemic season, you can predict the outcome. 
because people won't respond. They won't, they won't cooperate. They fight over things that don't matter. I'm, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just astonished you're fighting over wearing a mask. And somehow that's some kind of spiritual, biblical, powerful thing. You know, when you can predict that if you don't, more people are going to catch the disease, more people are going to get infected, more things are going to happen. You can predict it. You're going to predict, I, I'm telling you, I, I have a sermon coming up. I'm going to talk about division down the road. And I'm telling you, it's one of the things that you, just, you can predict what will happen. The Bible says we'll all lose. When we divide, we all lose. A house divided can't stand. We can't, we can't, that's, that's, that does, it does not work. Can't wait to teach that. What doesn't work? Division. Doesn't work. You can predict the outcome. Moses made a decision. Now he's sitting by a well in Midian and he is living a life he never dreamed he'd live. Is that you? Will that be you? You're not studying for school. You're a student. That's hilarious. You're going to college, paying all this money to goof off. Why? Stay home. Save your money. Don't build up the debt because it doesn't make sense because predictably you're going to fail. You're going to spend twenty dollars to $30,000 to $40,000 to fail. Some of you have done that. You've been there. You've been there. You've been, I'm not mocking you. I'm simply saying, you know, you can, you can tell your children, listen, let's be honest. With those study habits, you don't make it. It's predictable. So we need to make a new decision. Moses made the wrong decision. And one of the things that's interesting is he doesn't just stay there. Look at me at verse 16. He gets to Midian. He's sitting by this well, and right away, a new opportunity comes to make a new decision. Watch what happens. Now, a priest of Midian, verse 16 of chapter 3, had seven daughters. Man, seven daughters. Wow. This guy has seven. Chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse 17. He has seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. These girls are going out to fill their, their water pots to bring it back. Because, you know, back then, you had to carry water. You know, uh, I was in Africa some time ago. In some parts of Africa, they, they don't have pipe water, you know, like in the ground pipes. You have to carry the water everywhere you go. Well, here they are carrying water to feed the flocks. Uh, some shepherds came along, verse 17, and drove them away. So these girls were coming to get water, and the shepherds came, and they chased them off. But Moses got up, made a decision, and came to their rescue and watered their flock. Now, he must have been a bad dude. He takes on all the, all the shepherd dudes, runs them off, and allows the girls to go ahead and get the water to take back to feed their father's flock the water. What an amazing guy. That was the decision that turned his life around. So you can make a bad decision, and then you can make a good decision. That decision changed his life. He decided to help someone, not kill the shepherds. He didn't kill the shepherds. He just ran them off. He learned to moderate, not as violent, calm it down a bit. And then he makes another decision. When the father of these girls, Jethro, who becomes famous in the text later on, Jethro hears about it and says, well, where is the guy who helped you? And they say, well, he's, they went and got him. And eventually Moses ends up marrying his daughter he starts a brand new life, which is a good decision. When you make a bad decision, the only thing you can do is try to make a better decision next time. And I want you to watch what happens in verse 18. When the girls returned to rule, their father, uh, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? 
They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where, where is he, said, Rule asked his daughters. Why did you leave him, invite him to have something to eat? And so they went and got him. Went and got him, and he became a part of the family. And the Bible said, verse 22, he ends up marrying Zipporah, and Zipporah gives birth to a son. Mo Moses names, names him Gershom, saying, I have begun, become a foreigner in a foreign land. He starts over again. You know, that's all you can do. That's all you can do. Sometimes the only decision you can make is to start over again. When you turn in the wrong direction, you can't just live there. And I love the fact that not only did he start over again, he didn't try to go back and recreate what was already destroyed. He didn't try to dominate that. He didn't allow himself to get stuck there. He decided to work with what he had left. There's a moment when you have to say, this is what I have left. I don't have that. I have this. I made a bad decision. I lost a lot. And now I have to start all over again. That's where some of you are. You made a bad decision. You mapped this out incorrectly. You thought you could be violent, whatever, on drugs, all the things you put on your map, and you began to live this way because this is your map, your life choices. This is how I choose to live. But then the, the results were so horrible, now you realize I should have predicted that would have been bad. Going from man to man, man to man, to woman to woman to woman to woman, running around doing what I was doing, living the way I was living, working while I was working, having that kind of attitude on the job. I, I, I really should have mapped my life out better than that. But now I get it. And once you get it, what you do is you change directions. You do something better. You, you make a better decision the next time. Next time you get into a confrontation, you don't kill somebody. What you do is you talk to them. You try to work it out differently. Moses makes a better decision, ends up with the wife, ends up in a new place with a new life, and he is not trying to go back and recreate what he had. Some of you are frustrated because you're trying to recreate what you, didn't, you, you lost. That's gone. Start with what you have left and build from here and watch God multiply it. And that's what we'll talk about next time. God's going to multiply what he has. He's going to give him something. And let me tell you why he's going to give it to him. All because Moses is curious. You see, Moses is going to have a moment in the next chapter where he's going to be curious. He's going to reach out for something and God's going to meet him and give him something he never dreamed he could have again. And I believe that God can do that in your life. God can do that for all of us. We're coming through a hard season, but God can give us more than we ever had before. I've seen it in our church. God has blessed us more than I ever could imagine during this season. God has met every need. God has opened up every door for us. But it's because I believe we looked at our map and decided to put wise things on the map. We decided to live a life that's different. Some of you need to get a piece of paper out and remap your life and draw new lines, new disciplines, and then say to yourself, now, let's go this way, not that way. Let me pray for you. Father, let this be a moment where we remap our lives, where we take those words and, and apply them to our everyday life. I believe, Lord God, that you care about us, but I believe we have to be honest, especially in the mapping phase, where we lay out the map and we tell the truth. We don't lie to ourselves. And we say, listen, the road we're on is a bad road that will lead to a bad place. But I pray for a better place, God. And I pray for redemption from the bad decisions we've made in the past. We cannot be defined by our past, but we can be people who believe for a greater future. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, thanks for being with me today. 
I've got more to say next week. I don't want you to leave. It's going to be an amazing study. And I want you to remember this. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Ricky, I heard you. And I realize that I need to map a new life for myself. I need to give my life to Jesus. I want you to pray for me. For some of you, that's the beginning place to say, God, I want you in my life. So let me pray for you. Father, let this be a moment when they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Let this be the moment when they open their hearts to a new walk with God, a new beginning. And I pray that this would open the door for them to, to make new decisions. May they honestly say, if I, if I continue on this road, I predict a bad outcome. So let them make a new decision today to receive you as their Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by that message and it helped you see those three simple steps you take. If you're going to make a good decision, if you're going to make a good choice, if you want to know how to foresee the future, there are three things he says you need to do. One was you need to make sure that you map things out. You lay out the map and say, this is the truth. I have $50. I can't with $50 get to Los Angeles, California on a $50 tank of gas. I can predict failure. That's the second phase. The mapping phase then the predicting phase. Once you map things out and you lay the truth out, my marriage is bad. Things are not going well. Then I can predict the marriage is going to end if I'm not careful. Then you can go to the third phase, which is the decision-making phase. Hope you got that down. You map things out. You predict what you see. Get honest. And then you make a decision to help you make the right choices. You can't get to the right choices if you don't honestly lay things out. So what's the truth? Let's look at your map. You've heard the sermon. You've heard me talk about this now. What's, what's the truth? Get, get a piece of paper out. Say, okay, Pastor Rick, when it comes to my money, here's the truth. When it comes to my marriage, here's the truth. Now predict what's going to happen if you don't change. How can your career be better if you don't go back to school or make some effort to look for a better opportunity? You can predict financial chaos and challenge for yourself. Why not make a decision, another decision that might change your life? You know, God can help you, but you've got to do what he says. You've got to knock. You've got to seek. You've got to ask. You've got to, you've got to be involved in this process. You can't just pray. So I want you to get out, get on this for a minute. Map this out. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who've heard this message. May it help them today be honest. The mapping phase is crucial. Mapping out the truth and being honest about what they predict will happen. Many times they can see it without you saying anything. And I pray they would rise up and make a new decision. I got to change my attitude. I can't be this way. I can't be this grumpy. I can't allow myself to be this angry. Let this be a healing moment for them. And may they transform and become what you want them to be. Better people making better decisions in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, that's part one. I'll be back at more to say next time. So you stay right there next time. We got a lot to talk about. I want you to make some good decisions. See you next time. Bye-bye.